Good morning. We are grateful for your attendance this morning, thankful for some of the visitors who have come our way. Again, we encourage you, if you'd like to stay with us for lunch, you can do that and then be here at 1.30. Uh, if you see, if you have the outline or the bulletin in front of you, you see that we have another Sunday where our lessons will both connect a little bit, dealing with the same thing, but hopefully uh, just being allowing us the time to expound on our thoughts a little bit this afternoon. So we hope that you can plan to be back with us at that time. Let me also emphasize just one more time uh, that we will have a meeting at 1 o'clock for our Vacation Bible School and to lay out plans for that. Of course, we will, we will be here this next week. We'll be here Wednesday night uh, for any questions as we begin to make plans. After that, we'll be gone uh, for the week to Bible camp. And when we all return from Bible camp, we'll have about two weeks until Vacation Bible School. So we want to start our plans now, get those things going, hand out the information, let everybody know uh, what they're going to be doing, kind of arrange all that. And then, of course, uh, we'll be uh, finishing up towards the end of the month and look forward to a good Sunday there. Uh, the plan right now, I don't know if we actually said it, but we, we do plan to sort of sort of cancel our 1.30 service and then just have the afternoon as a whole. Uh, we won't have a, a worship service per se. We will have an adult class uh, that'll be taught uh, by a couple of our men, uh, and then we will have classes for all ages. So we want you to come be a part of the day, but as we usually do, uh, we won't have a 1.30 service. And last year, uh, when we tried this format out, uh, we did have lunch, and we ended up just kind of ordering pizza for everybody uh, and having a, a quick lunch so that those who are working could get finished up with what they need to do. So we'll kind of look to that schedule for that Sunday. But we hope that you're uh, thinking about it, have it on your calendar, plan to be a part of it in some way. And as always, we need lots of workers, helpers who can either decorate or help teach class or help prepare the snacks or lead the craft session time or whatever you might be interested in doing, please uh, plan to be here about one o'clock as we uh, begin to make plans for that. Uh, as we begin our lesson this morning, uh, I am deeply thankful for many of the friends that I have who are preachers uh, and, and indebted to so many as we kind of share outlines back and forth. Uh, one of my dearest friends over the last couple of years has become uh, David Farr that preaches down at the St. Elmo congregation. And the outline that we're going to look at this morning came from him we were talking about some of these matters, and, and he preached a lesson and shared with me his outline, and, and I said, I want to take that and use that because I think it'll be very encouraging for us this morning as we think about worship. If you have an outline in front of you, you'll see that our theme for this morning's lesson is the idea of better worship. Now, when we think about worship, worship is something that we all can do. If you've been here for the last 30 minutes or so, you've hopefully been participating in Worship. Now, the difference, as we kind of make this clarification statement to begin, is that not everybody can lead singing. Not everybody maybe feels comfortable or can present a lesson or teach. Not everyone can do certain things, or maybe we feel sometimes like we don't have as much talent as somebody else, and especially even in regards to all the work of the congregation. You know, that's the thing we emphasized not too long ago in a lesson as we talk about sometimes the role of women within the Lord's church. It's easy to sometimes emphasize only what takes place here in here on Sunday morning or Sunday night, what takes place here in this pulpit on Sunday morning or Sunday night, and we forget about all the work of the church. And so then somebody would say, well, well I can't do that. That's not all that's involved with serving the Lord. That's not all that is involved in being faithful to him. And we step outside of this room and we think about needing to teach. And we need teachers and we need others who can help uh, take care of the air conditioning if it breaks or who can help clean part of the, the building. And we need people who do all kinds of things. We need people who can write cards and make visits and make phone calls. It takes all of us working together. 
And the truth is, is maybe you say, well, I can't teach or I can't sing or I'm not good at, at, at making visits or, or whatever you might want to throw out there. We can all worship. We can all worship. Now, the question this morning is, how can I be a better worshiper? How can I be better at worship? And I, I'm going to challenge you with several things. But to begin, have you ever even considered that question before? You know, we can focus on, well, I can't do this or I can't do that or I can do this. And that's maybe the thing I can do and I don't do anything else. We all worship. We all can worship. Have you ever tried to focus for just a, a few moments, for a few weeks, for a few Sundays on how can I be a better worshiper? Now, what we're going to do this morning in our time left is look at three questions. Three questions that can help us see maybe how I can be a better worshiper. The first question is, why am I here? If you want to be a better worshiper, maybe we need to answer the question, why am I here? So, why did you get up this morning? Why did you crawl out of bed when it was probably easier to lay there a while longer or to lay there for most of the morning and relax and take it easy and maybe get up eventually but then just make it to the couch to kick back and relax? And why did you get up? Why are you here? Well, we're going to put forth four reasons in this first point. Only the last one is in your outline. Some of you I throw off sometimes only because of lack of space. I'm going to give you three and then the fourth one will be what's in your outline if you have your bulletin. Number one, maybe you're here because it's commanded. You know Hebrews 10.25. If you have your Bible, you're familiar with Hebrews 10.24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, the Hebrew writer was writing the book of Hebrews, but also this statement and this part to encourage those who, he, who would read this letter, to not go back, to not slip away. Now, what he's talking to are those who would be slipping back into Judaism, right? They were Jews, and, and they're looking back at the old law, and they're saying that was better, and they're starting to slip back into Judaism. But can I suggest to you that this writing is to us as well? And our problem maybe sometimes is that we are slipping back into the world or worldly ways. You see, whether you became a Christian when you were a young person or a teenager or an adult, you, you, in some ways, left the world and, and, and started clinging to Christ and better things, but there's always that temptation to slide back into the world. And so we see this encouragement here from the Hebrew writer, and it is to not go back into worldly ways. And the worldly way that's being mentioned here in particular in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is back to the forsaking of the assembling of ourselves together. They were meeting together. We talked about that, and by the way, we'll emphasize it some maybe this afternoon, but we began a study on Wednesday night of about a month talking about our worship, and particularly our worship in singing and song. And so when we think about slipping back into worldly ways, they were meeting together. We see that example, and so they might have begun to slip back into, and we might begin to slip back into going back to worldly ways, not even paying attention to the assembly anymore, not even worrying about that. But you see, if this is the reason that you got up this morning, if this is the answer to the question, why am I here, then it, it becomes a box-checking thing. That's what worship becomes. It becomes a box-checking thing. I've checked my box for the week. And the problem then is, is worship is a have-to. 
Worship becomes the have to. And what we want to do through this lesson is move from the have to to the want to to I get to. See, we usually reside in the box checking stage. It's commanded and I have to go to worship. But can we move into the I want to go to worship? And then maybe even into the I get to go to worship? Worship should be a blessing, not a burden. But for many people, it's commanded. That's why they're here and it's just simply a burden. Maybe number two, why am I here? Because of the greatness and goodness of God. In Psalm 116 and verse number, verses 12 through 19, Psalm 116 verses 12 through 19, we see the psalmist say, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? Because of what God has done for me, what should I render back unto him? I will take up the cup of salvation. I will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservants. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem. Because of what God has done for us, we should want to give praise unto him because of his goodness and his greatness. Now, if you have the have-to mentality, what I just said a moment ago, if you live in this have-to, well, I, I, I'm here this morning, why? Because I have to. Let me issue a challenge here. The challenge is, when you wake up on Sunday, could you think of just one blessing that you have? If you reside in the have-to stage, because I have to go to worship, could you think of just one blessing when you wake up on Sunday morning and think about coming to worship? And can I challenge you then to add more? What about the bed that you just got out of? What about the clothes that you can put on? What about the food that you have? What about the family that surrounds you? Could you think of any blessings with which God has blessed you? Because of the goodness and the greatness of God, I don't have to go to worship. I want to, and I get to worship him. Set aside those physical blessings for a moment. Can you think of one spiritual blessing? We know Paul would write in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 that all spiritual blessings are found in Christ. Would you be thankful for forgiveness? Would you be thankful for God's kindness? Could you think of the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ? Be thankful for them and then realize that you want to and you get to. Why am I here? Maybe because of the greatness and the goodness of God. What about because of the love of Christ? In Romans chapter 5 and verses 6 and 8, Paul talks about the great love with which God loved us. Romans 5 and verse 6, For when we were still without strength, when we didn't deserve the goodness and greatness of God or the love of Christ, Christ died for the ungodly verse 8 but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us why are you here are you here because of the goodness and greatness of God are you here because of the love of Christ and his great sacrifice but number four as you fill in your outline are you here because of the fact that it is a natural outflow of a Christian life. You remember in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, 
In Romans 12, 1, Paul would encourage us to be a living sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We usually emphasize that. Perfectly fine. A living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God but have you ever considered the end of that verse which is your reasonable service see sometimes we're apt to lay in bed maybe on Sunday morning and think do I really have to get up does God really expect that of me or maybe is it only reasonable a reasonable service you see our worship should be the natural thing we do a part of our reasonable service But as we just said, in connection with the goodness and greatness of God and the love of Christ, sometimes when we worship, and worship has not been the best, okay? Can I be honest for just a moment? Can can we just all say that sometimes we sit there or we leave and we feel that worship just wasn't the best? Now, maybe it's the preacher's fault. I know you can always take an aim at the preacher. Maybe it's the song's fault. You know, I just didn't like those songs. They weren't my favorite songs. But sometimes we leave and we say, well, worship just wasn't the best. But as we were talking about this before, David and I and a couple others, we shared this quote, and it's a bit lengthy, but I want to share it with you. When worship service, the worship service maybe hasn't been good, it's easier to focus on the service rather than yourself. It was the preacher's fault. It was the song leader's fault. But don't expect to get joy from the worship service. Instead, maybe expect to receive joy from a life that is intimately connected with the Savior and the source of joy. You see, I don't come in hopes that I will feel better. Now, hopefully I do. I I love seeing you all. Maybe I will feel better, but I don't come in the hopes that I will feel better. In fact, my joy is not rooted in one hour of a worship service on Sunday morning. It is rooted in my Savior. And the worship is joyous when it is composed of joyous people sharing their joy in praise and thanksgiving. That should be our worship service. Yeah, I get that we have life. Sometimes we have things going on, things that are in our mind and clouding our thoughts. Or maybe things don't go exactly how we want them to. Again, maybe it's not our favorite songs. Maybe the sermon's not that interesting. But when we think about our worship service, it should come out of our joy, a natural outflow of the Christian life, and maybe we'll be better worshipers instead of simply focusing on, well, maybe I'll feel better because I've, I've been there and sat there. A natural outflow of the Christian life. Is that what our worship is? Why am I here? Number two, how can I be a better worshiper? The second question is, what did I bring? I don't know if you saw that one coming, right? But, but yeah, you're supposed to bring something to worship. It's not just about what the preacher can do or the song leader can do, but what did I bring? If we can answer this question, then maybe we're going to be better worshipers. You see, we often focus, as we said just a moment ago, on what I can get out of it instead of focusing on what we are bringing to the worship service. I hope you get something out of it. But where is our focus? Remember, first, that worship is not about entertainment. Remember that worship is not about entertainment. But can I give you a a caveat to that? Worship is not about entertainment, but worship should not be boring and lifeless either. So I'm afraid sometimes we struggle with maintaining that balance. We maybe want it to be entertainment, Or maybe we don't, 
but we go all the way to the other side of it being simply just boring and lifeless, or at least that's what I do. I, I just sit there boring and lifeless. Worship is not entertainment, it, but it should not be boring and lifeless. We need to remember that worship is not about emotion, but worship should have emotion. Again, that balance. It should not be all screaming and hooping and hollering and cheering and all these things and emotion in that way. It doesn't have to always involve tears, but sometimes we forget any emotion and we sit stone-faced and we sit like we're not joyous people at all. We forget to tell our faces that we are serving the Most High God and we are here to worship Him. Worship is not about emotion, but worship should have some emotion. When we think about what did I bring, a few things to encourage you with. Did I bring my whole self? You know, in Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12 and verse 30, do you worship that way? The words of Jesus, right? Jesus says that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Question, is that how you worship God? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Did I bring my whole self? Or for some of us, did I simply bring my body? I brought my body. It's here. I drove. I'm sitting in the pew. But I've left my mind at home. I've left my heart at home. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. What did I bring? Did you bring your whole self? Worship should take everything that you have. Everything that you have should be a part of it. Christ was not apathetic on the cross. Was he? I don't think so. God is not apathetic or lazy when he blesses us is he i don't think so why then do we act that way as we worship god christ gave everything god sent his only begotten son and we show up and feel like we can sit there boring and lifeless and bring nothing and expect to only get things out of worship what did i bring hopefully you brought your whole self hopefully you also can bring a reverent spirit and enthusiasm in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 28, <clears throat> Hebrews 12 and verse 28, Therefore, the Hebrew writer would say, Since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Now, notice in context there, he is comparing our kingdom or with Mount Sinai. He's comparing Mount Sinai that was shaken. Earthquakes, there was darkness around Mount Sinai. He's comparing that. But now we have Mount Zion. We have the church. We have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, as Mount Sinai was. And thus, in verse 28 there, we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and awe, or reverence and godly fear. Godly or reverent fear sometimes, we think, means to be very quiet and very still. No emotion. We appreciate the fact that we do our best and the elders lead us here and our men who lead us in worship do their best to lead us, <clears throat> as we sometimes say, things that are done in order. Things that are done in such a way that it makes sense and we can follow along and it's done decently and in order. And we're thankful for that. But sometimes we treat godly fear and reverence as just quiet, still, and no emotion at all. <clears throat> and sometimes the problem is, the denominational world has once again gone the opposite direction and we find ourselves on two ends of the spectrum. They've gone too far sometimes and made emotion king instead of truth. 
And so what we do is we shy away from the emotion and say, well, no, no, it, it would be wrong if I smiled or, or maybe I raised my voice a bit or, or maybe I did something that, that showed a little bit of emotion because we can make emotion king. And I don't think that's what God means when he says in spirit and in truth. But you see how we slip slide away to just lifeless stone people who show no emotion at all. If you are going to be enthusiastic about something, let it be about the Lord. I'll be the first one to admit that I can get excited over a football game or a sporting event or something happens that doesn't amount to a hill of beans, as we say. If we're going to be about excited about something, let it be about God and about serving Him, about our worship. We need to bring a reverent spirit and enthusiasm. You see, as we sometimes say, we are winning. The battle's been won by the death of Christ, and we should be thankful for that and show that with a little bit of enthusiasm. And it's tough to find that balance sometimes, but we might do wise or do better to just try to find that balance of no emotion with some emotion. Then number three, we need to bring a dedicated life. Bring a dedicated life. <clears throat> do you remember in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 15, God is hammering. God is laying it to the children of Israel, right, by the words of Isaiah. Beginning in verse 10, Isaiah says, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord. God was tired of their worship. And their prayers and their sacrifices, their many sacrifices. And somebody would read that and say, well, how can that be? Why would God be tired of their worship and their many sacrifices? Well, the problem is he was using or he was tired of it because they were using worship as the pinnacle of their life with God. Essentially that they could live however they wanted to in their everyday lives. But, oh, God, we were there to worship you. They were trying to make worship the end-all, be-all, where they could live however they wanted. But, you know, God, we came to worship you. We should bring a dedicated life. It connects right back with the end of the first point, that it should be a natural outflow of our Christian life. Our worship should not be a band-aid to cover up our life. Well, you know, God, I got all these problems back here behind me in my life, but at least I came to worship. That's not what it should be, and that's what he is saying in Isaiah chapter 1 there. It should not be the end-all, be-all. In fact, we might say it this way as we think about a dedicated life. Our Christianity should be a shining light, not a light switch. Isn't that what we do? You know, somebody shows up at the building here every time, turns the light switch on and very often we do the same thing we show up we get out of our car we enter the building and we turn our light switch on we leave and we turn the light switch off our Christianity is supposed to be a shining light but not a light switch if as a Christian if you are here this morning as a Christian and worship is the only thing you are doing then perhaps Perhaps you are not being a Christian. Just maybe we need to consider what we're doing. Because if worship is it, <clears throat> I think we're missing the point. What or why am I here? 
what did I bring? And then number three this morning, what do I plan to carry away? You see, we've already said we need to understand why we're here. We need to understand what we can bring. But yes, what am I going to carry away from the worship service? Number one, a deeper relationship with the Lord. Do you leave with a deeper relationship with the Lord? Or do you leave after having checked your box? Do you leave after having talked to a few people? Do you leave feeling better that you've shown up? And punched the card and been here for an hour or two hours or whatever time it might be, whatever service you may be here for? Or do you leave feeling like you are in a deeper relationship with God? We should gain this deeper relationship with the Lord through our Bible study, through our worship, through the study of His Word. Hopefully you leave thinking that you are a little more knowledgeable about His Word. I know that the sermon each Sunday or each worship service doesn't always maybe connect with something in that regard. Sometimes it's something topical. Maybe it's about something that's happened in our country or something that we're thinking about. But hopefully, if you come bringing the right things, if you come for the right reasons, then you'll leave with a deeper relationship with the Lord. Do you ever take that as you go away from this place? What about number two, motivation for the week? Motivation for the week. Do you think of that as you take the Lord's Supper? You know, we emphasize that on Wednesday night as we began our discussion on our singing and our, what we do in worship. We talked about this idea that the apostles in the book of Acts, we read, were coming together every first day of the week to break bread, to partake the Lord's Supper. And it seems like that was the focal point of what they were doing. When you take the Lord's Supper, do you think about the sacrifice of Christ? Do you think about the week that lies ahead and how thankful you are in that moment to remember his death and then use that as a springboard into all the things that you're going to face during the week? Can I tell you that I often have things clouding my thoughts as well, certainly before I kind of got into preaching full time, but even still today. It's easy to have all those thoughts swirling in your head about money and bills and activities and sickness and things that are going on. Do you ever take as motivation to deal with all those things, the sacrifice of Christ, the promise of heaven, the hope that we have of a home in heaven if we are living faithfully? What do I carry away? Do you carry away motivation for the week? What about the opportunity to strengthen personal relationships? Do you carry that away? Be with one another. Can I give you another challenge here? Can I challenge you that when you come to worship, that you leave and try to find out one thing about somebody that you didn't know. Try to find one thing while you're here. I know that's not connected with our worship to God, but could you find one thing, somebody to talk to that maybe you don't talk to as much, or even somebody that you do know, and find out one thing about them that maybe you didn't know, or even one thing that's going to happen to them during the next week, something they've got going on, something that's coming up. Can we strengthen our personal relationships? You know, there were several reasons why our elders considered a change in, in service time and, and several benefits to that. And from the very first week, I think many of us felt the benefit 
of staying together, if you would, and we always say nobody's required to, there's, there's no dictate or mandate to stay for lunch, but, but many of us who, who stay have felt that encouragement from being together just a little while longer. I'll always tell people that I, if it wasn't the first Sunday, it may, have been, it may have been the second, that we were all sitting at tables in here, you know, six or eight people at about four different tables, all the adults. And at least the first Sunday, there weren't a whole lot of us, but by the time we were done eating, everybody had kind of just turned their, cir- their, their chairs inward to a circle, and we were just kind of all talking in one big circle, just talking across at people and just saying things and laughing and cutting up and having a good time. And we, we learned about one another, and we were strengthened by being together. Again, I understand. Maybe it's not your cup of tea. Maybe you have plans with family each Sunday. I understand that. But you can, because you are here, take at least a moment to try to strengthen your personal relationships. Is that different than the worship to God? Yes, it is. But is it connected as people of Christ? Yes, it is. I didn't put this one on the screen, but can I give you one more for your thoughts? What about carrying away a contact for evangelism or service could you leave and carry away a contact for evangelism maybe I mean we look around us and we're all striving to be Christians here almost all of us so maybe evangelism but but what about service what about talking to somebody and finding out what's going on is that accepting that challenge and then taking that and using that as a way to serve someone could you leave with a contact for evangelism or service Now, very quickly, to finish, I've got four things of practical advice to be a better worshiper. These were absolutely borrowed from David in his outline, but I want to tell you that I agreed wholeheartedly 100% when I saw these things listed there, and I'm going to caution you as well that this is where the toe-stepping comes in right here. A little bit of practical advice if you want to be a better worshiper. Number one, go to Bible class. Your worship is better when you are already in the right mindset. Your worship is better when you're already in the right mindset. We are the first ones to admit, again, as the Danley family, that sometimes we roll into the parking lot and there's a lot of screaming and yelling at each other all along the way until those doors open and we all smile and look like we are so happy to be here and we've been happy to see each other all morning long. Right? There's obviously facetiousness and joking there. Bible class is important. It's not just a buffer to get to worship, but it does allow us the time to get here, to get our minds right, to enjoy a time of fellowship and and enjoyment as we see others and we connect and we say hi and we hug and we talk about prayer requests and we have Bible class and we lead right into a worship service. You're going to be a better worshiper if you'll come to Bible class because you're in the right mindset. Number two, sit closer to the front. Yeah. Now, I was raised as a front pew child. My father was a song leader for many, many years. I married and found a front pew child whose father was a preacher for many, many years. And so we were raised on the front pew, so to speak. My, my family was usually the second one right there to my left as I'm looking at the pews. That's where I was raised, so I'm used to it. And we all know that, that maybe that's not the place for everybody. We know that we all can't sit in the first, front, the four first rows here. I joked last Sunday afternoon uh, with Gary and Sandra as they were here about having their, their new grandbaby here, and we joked sometimes about that, and I was. I was just joking about how sometimes it's natural for us to allow our focus to shift to other things. 
Some people need to sit in the back or on the end, again, for various personal reasons or physical reasons or things like that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with adoring and looking at the babies that we have amongst us nowadays. It's a wonderful encouragement. But when we sit closer to the front, often we're paying a little more attention. We're not uh, allowing ourselves to be distracted by some of the things that go on. And, and I know more than anybody, somebody always asks, as the preacher, do you see everybody that's sleeping? You know, do you see everybody that's talking to one another or passing notes? I don't. And sometimes I see somebody smiling and I think, you know, well, have I said something wrong? You know, is something wrong with my tie? What do I need to do? And sometimes it's just a kid who's dropped something or, you know, something's happened. It just happens. We're, we're human and we're here worshiping as humans. But as we are trying to focus... If we really are focusing, maybe sitting close to the front would make you a better worshiper. Certainly trying to set aside those things going on around us and focus would make us better worshipers. In connection with that, number three, be an active participant. Be an active participant. I don't need to say this because you don't know it, but can I say, as you do know, that there is a difference between people who attend worship and people who worship at worship. There's a difference between people who attend worship and people who worship at worship. Attenders watch. Attenders spectate. We go to ball games and we attend. We spectate. We don't participate. Worshipers are involved. Be an active participant. As we talked about singing on Wednesday night, I, again, fully admit, raised in a family of singers, love to sing, Singing really makes me happy, and I enjoy being a part. And I realize there are others who say, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I don't have any desire at all to sing, and it's a struggle for me to sing. Can I challenge you to try to be an active participant? You don't have to be the loudest. You don't have to move your mouth in the biggest way to be an active participant. But try. Try to participate. And number four, look forward to it. Is it the end of your week? or the beginning of your week. I know that sounds like it's not a big deal, and I know sometimes we joke with people and we say, well, you know, it's not the end of the week, it's the first day of the week, and we, we talk about that, and it doesn't seem like it's something that is, it seems like something that's inconsequential. But even think about our worship. How is it when we begin our week with worship, as opposed to the last thing that we kind of do before we have to get on with the rest of our lives? Is it the end of your week or the beginning of your week? Is it an inconvenience to you or the most important thing you do? Is it a footnote on your schedule or the focus of your week? Is it something you have to do or is it something you get to do? Better worship? I think we've seen this morning that it's up to you and it's up to us. You can take or leave the practical advice at the end. But if you take those three questions and you try to answer them, hopefully you can go forward thinking about how you can be a better worshiper. As I said, if you'll come back this afternoon, we're going to talk a little bit about the words involved in the Bible in worship and kind of uh, center in, zone in on a few of these thoughts a little more precisely. But I think hopefully this lesson has been encouraging for you this morning as it has been for me in presenting it and thinking about these things myself. As we conclude this morning, you see, it's tough to worship God with the proper mindset if you're not a child of God, if you've never been obedient to God's simple plan of salvation. If you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, you're not a Christian, you've never had your sins washed away in baptism, we'll be singing to encourage you in just a moment that you would do that. If you'd like to study this plan of salvation, we would study with you even this day or as soon as possible. 
Maybe you've struggled to remain faithful. As a child of God, one of the things that has been amiss in your life is the idea of worship. And you've struggled to worship properly. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's something else in your life that is amiss that you'd like to make right, make right with God. We're thankful to be assembled together as a body of people that love one another to encourage you to become a Christian or come back to him, even now as we stand together and as we sing.